Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. Thanks, Fitz. Well, Chad Pennington is in our studio. He came up all the way up from the south. Uh, Got delayed a little bit today, but we're happy you're here for a special Friday installment of the EA Podcast with Chad Pennington. Yeah, how about that? On a Friday, I think it's the first. Yeah. It is. I don't remember us doing any Fridays last year. Jets, Seahawks, what brings you into town? We know it's a special uh, weekend when you're up north. Well, uh, obviously, I uh, love coming up here and visiting sweet partners for the Jets and thanking them for their support and being part of game day operations. Talking with you on the podcast is always fun. And then also doing some entertaining myself with uh, a group of uh, three couples from Lexington, Kentucky, who are uh, having a New York experience. They've been to Seth Meyers, they're going to a Yankees game, uh, they're going to the Jets game, they're going to do a facility tour. So part of that experience for them as well. Do they have Yankees tickets for tonight? Because right now it's a soaker. I don't think that game (laughs) is going to take place. I know it's not looking too uh, dry, but uh, they do have Yankees tickets for tonight, Friday night game. Well, you're doing something pregame with the organization, too. It's a special whiteout. I'm hearing you're doing something uh, for the team, right? Well, typically we uh, hang out with uh, our Jet fans in the green room, and then we take them down to uh, pregame on the field, let them watch warm-ups, talk to them there. Right. Um, but uh, I, there may be something else. There is. Uh, Chad's going to be on the field. We're going to have to find out the exact details on that. There's something about a new air raid. Air raid, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, I got you. <laughs> yes, that's right, air raid. I'm all over it. Uh, so you're going to be down there. You might need your earplugs. Yeah, I know. It's going to be my first experience with an air raid, so I don't know what to expect, really. Uh, so uh, last weekend at Marshall, we got to follow up with that. You were yes. inducted into the school's uh, Journalism Hall of Fame down there. Uh, how did your event go? Well, it went really well. Um, the W. Page Pitt School of Journalism and Mass Communications Hall of Fame. Um, did you have a speech? Had a little bit of a speech. I just rolled with it you know, and just talked about how special of a place Marshall is and has always been. Um, and then uh, we went to the Louisville game. You know, our quarterback was down out with a concussion, so we had to start a true freshman against the likes of Lamar Jackson. So you can only imagine how that went. Um, but it was a great experience. The, the crowd was electrifying. It was a great, uh, great time there. Got a chance to meet country music singer Craig Morgan. Craig Morgan. Uh, really talented artist. Uh, unfortunately for Craig, his son, I had had uh, planned on coming to Marshall to play football to walk on, and he died in a tragic uh, boating accident oh, in the wow. summer. But so he was up there. Great family uh, and really good people. So that was neat. I've always been a Craig Morgan fan. Now the game itself. I was watching the bottom line because he told me you were there, and there were a couple other games. I actually we were in Kansas City, so I was watching Stanford and UCLA. I think go at it Saturday night. I've seen the score come through on the bottom of the screen. How did it get away from them so quickly? Well, it, uh, the defense was actually playing well. It's just the offense had at one time six straight three and outs, and the defense just couldn't hold. It got to 28-7 to with 35 seconds left going into the halftime, and Louisville went 80 yards in 35 seconds and made it 35-7. to That was pretty much the game. 
Marshall's chances were slim to none, especially with their quarterback out. Um, and and the defense held on as long as they could, but uh, they're they're very explosive. The Clemson Louisville game is going to be really interesting this week in Death Valley. I'm interested to see that. Did you get a chance to talk to Lamar Jackson? I did not. I did not. We had uh, numerous people we were entertaining uh, there in Huntington. So and and then we also had flag football games on Sunday that we had to get back to. So did not get a chance to talk to Lamar. All right. So break it down. What do you think is going to happen when Louisville? goes into Death Valley to play Clemson because a lot of folks right now are saying, hey, maybe Louisville's got it this year. They got the quarterback. And like you just mentioned, is they're playing defense. And that's one thing that I don't think people understand about this Cardinal team is it's more than just Bobby Petrino's offense. They, they are talented. Uh, this is a huge test. It is extremely difficult to play in Death Valley. I have played in Death Valley before and uh, came out victorious, but it's, it's extremely difficult. And so for a true sophomore quarterback, this is a huge test for Lamar Jackson. Just the emotion of it. Um, and then also, did I Did you play there at night? I did, yes. Did you? Yes, and uh, it's, it was You and Randy great. Moss in your back pocket. No, Randy was gone no? already. It was 1999 that he was gone. It was t uh, Tom, uh, Terry, no. Tommy Bowden's first year okay. at Clemson. Rich Rodriguez was the offensive coordinator. Well, okay. But um, it, it's a great place to play, but it's going to be interesting. I think Clemson will try to force Lamar Jackson to be a pocket passer. That's where I think he struggles right now in his young career. wants to get out and run around and play backyard ball, and they're going to try to force him. It's a great matchup between Watson and Jackson. Do you I mean, see the same thing in Watson as you do in Jackson as far as – uh, more athletic than a passer, or you think at this stage of his career he's a little bit more advanced than Jackson in the pocket? No question. Yeah. W Watson is uh, more advanced as a passer, uh, more groomed and seasoned. Um, he can operate in the pocket. Um, so, yes, he, there's a distinct difference there. Um, Jackson may be more athletic uh, just yeah. as far as raw talent. But uh, Watson has you know, come into his own nicely as far as a quarterback is concerned. I think Jackson is learning how to be a quarterback. If you're a Houston Cougar fan, you have to be rooting for Louisville because you get Louisville at your place later in the season. And Greg Ward, speaking about yeah. great athletes who play the quarterback position, he's another one. Well, exactly. In, in Houston, out of the American uh, Conference, I mean, they, they are <laughs> – uh, that is awesome to see and to be able to see what they've been able to do. And coming off that huge bowl win last year against Florida State and beating Oklahoma early in the season, um, yeah, they're, they're very interested because that just makes their game with Louisville even bigger if Louisville beats Clemson in Death Valley. What do you think about Houston as far as the Big 12 is concerned? There's a lot of people talking about Big 12 expansion. Folks in Oklahoma – don't want Houston in the Big 12 because that's part of uh, their area where they're taking a lot of recruits from. So they got to be in competing with all these Texas schools to begin with. Now, if Houston goes from the American to the Big 12, watch out. But do you think Houston should be in the Big 12? Well, Houston can be in the Big 12 because uh, financially they have the support to do that. That's what it boils down to now in college athletics is – can can you produce the financial support to hang with the Power Fives? Houston can. 
they have the alumni base, they have the money, the oil money, they have all of that to be able to compete financially. And obviously the Big 12 needs Houston. Now teams like Oklahoma may not want Houston in there, but um, it would be a good move for Houston because the way college football is going, unfortunately, you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. Right. And you need to be, if you're going to be on that big stage, you need to be in the group with the haves. And Houston can, they can do that. They have the ability to do that. Do you get disappointed when you see a school like LSU remove Les Miles after four games? I know he's been there for a long time, but just the climate of it, it's just, it's tough to see from an outsider's perspective. Sure it is. It, it's very disappointing. I think it's a black eye on college football because we have taken an amateur sport and made it a professional style sport uh, in a free market that is not a free market. Um, you have student athletes who are getting scholarships to, to play and coaches being paid millions of dollars and then if a booster is not entertained enough, he can help pull the trigger on getting the coach fired. You've fired a coach who over 11 seasons averaged over 10 wins a year. And at and, and most programs, you're very, very happy with that. Maybe so, doing backflips at places like Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> no question. So it's disappointing. I think it's bad for college football, and I hate to see it. All right. Jets, uh, Chiefs, uh, you went through the tape. I don't think there's really too much to review other than missed opportunities. We know that. But looking ahead to Seattle, this team – the New York Jets this week come to the ball game one and two. Offensively, and then finished last week. We talked about it. They moved the ball up and down at times, but now they're missing one of their key parts in Eric Decker. If you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, how does that impact you as you go into this ball game, Chad? Well, I, I still think for Ryan it's about decision making. And regardless of who you have out there at the skill positions, you still have to make solid decisions. And uh, typically when you have players like Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, you typically tend to make a decision once or twice that you wouldn't make with most receivers because you trust them so much. So with a guy like Eric Decker out now, you really have to focus on the decisions you are making and really evaluate the risk versus reward um, because the reward is not going to be uh, good enough for the risk that you're taking when you don't have an Eric Decker out there to make that play. So obviously he has to rely upon Brandon Marshall. He's got to rely upon his two running backs. Uh, Quincy Inunua is going to, he's going to be a huge factor. I think his development has now allowed the Jets at least to feel comfortable that when something like th this happens, they can count on him to be a number two now. He has earned that right to step into that role and do some of those things. But it's going to be different. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned Anunua and his development. Now you could see him play outside the numbers. The Jets have been doing this already. Or you can use him inside against Seattle. We know what that secondary has. Earl Thomas, rangy free safety. He's a playmaker. Cam Chancellor, he's the guy seems like he gets it all going for them. He gets them all pumped, big hitter, always looking for the knockout shot. Then you got Richard Sherman. Uh, on one side, Jeremy Lane is back with the Seahawks this year. But when you think about that secondary, if you're, a, if you're a quarterback and it's a team that plays a lot of cover three, um, what does it mean to you when you're facing 
that kind of talent in a secondary? Well, I think, first of all, when you mention cover three, typically that means three deep, four under, and that also means one-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, fortunately for the Seahawks, uh, on the outside, they've been able to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups because of Richard Sherman and uh, Browner when he was there and, and those type of players. Um, so when you see that, you like to think trying to work inside. Now you have to deal with an extra player inside uh, because now you have four underneath and not three. So I, I think that is, it will still be a mix. I think Brandon Marshall still feels like he can go out and compete with Richard Sherman because sure. of his physicality. Um, but they're going to be judicious on that. You still have to give him respect and realize that you're just not going to make a living out there. Um, and you need to work inside. You need to get the linebackers. You even, even need to get Cam Chancellor on one-on-one -on -one situations. I don't think pass coverage would be his cup of tea. Especially down the field, right? Exactly. So um, this, is, uh, this is a game where Chan Gailey uh, will be very creative, uh, will be very judicious on his shots and where he and Ryan have to be on the same page and making sure that they do everything they can to get the Jets to the fourth quarter uh, in front of a home crowd with a chance to win. That, that, that's the key. Is the playbook scaled back? How does it work when you develop a game plan throughout the week? Because the Jets knew Eric Decker was banged up. They didn't know he'd be out until Friday, but they practiced the entire week without Decker, so they knew this could be likely that he's out of the lineup. Then Jalen Marshall, the rookie, who's had his ups and downs here early in the season, he tore his labrum, so the Jets knew they'd be dealing without him. So now two of your top four receivers here early in the season are out of the lineup. So how does that impact when you're devising uh, a game plan? How does that impact the offensive coordinator, the, game, uh, the quarterback during the week? Well, I don't think scale back is probably the necessary phrase. I think different. Yeah. It's going to look different. Um, going to feel different. Uh, I think some of the similar concepts that the Jets like to run will just be run by different people with different looks, different personnel groups, different formations. Let's remember, the number one receiver is still there. The top two running backs are still there. Anunwa, who we could say is a number two now, he's earned that, I think, right. is there. Well, most teams will be happy to go with their number one, number two, and their top two running backs. They would feel pretty good about that. So the cupboard's not empty by no stretch of the imagination. It's just that it's going to look different, and there are going to be players that are going to be caught upon to do some different things that you may have not seen yet. How do you neutralize Russell Wilson? Here's a guy who's got the second all-time highest passer rating in NFL history. I know he's been playing for a ton of years, but he's a gamer who's accurate with the football, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, is not the biggest guy, and he's been hearing that all throughout his life, but he just makes plays, and especially late, it seems like, when the Seahawks need a play, he delivers. Sure, and, and I think that probably what we have overlooked over the last few years for Russell Wilson's success is the success of their running game. Yep. And so with Rawls out, with obviously Marshawn Lynch being retired, I think that's why you've seen a little bit of lack of production in their offense as far as scoring the ball, mm -hmm. um, where they've relied more on field goals and things until this past week against San Francisco. So I, I think uh, number one is stop the run and, and make Russell Wilson drop back. Uh, because if you stop the run, the play action and the 
the half rolls, the half bootlegs, those aren't as effective because the run is not there. So now if you make him more of a drop back passer instead of a quarterback movement passer where he can get out on the edge, now that really plays into the hands of the Jets' defensive pass rush. A huge week for the Jets' outside linebackers, I would imagine, when you think about whether they're playing sub or base, guys like Jordan Jenkins, a rookie out of Georgia who made his pro debut last week, Lorenzo Malden in his second year, um, Mike Cotapano, if he's up, if he's active, those guys who play in that outside linebacker spot, they got to set that edge because you know the Jets can bring the heat on the interior, and I think there's a lot of mismatches up front, man for man, when you're thinking about guys like Wilkerson, Richardson, Williams, and company. But those guys on the edge, whether you run a 4-3 or 3-4, and the Jets are multiple in their fronts, they got to set it. Well, and that's the key is to set the edge. And so when you're rushing the passer, when you're rushing a quarterback like Russell Wilson off the edge, you're not necessarily rushing to sack him. You're rushing to contain him and make him stay on his spot. A lot of drop-back passers, you're trying to move them off of their spot. You want Russell Wilson to stay on his spot because of his lack of size and because of his running ability. So you have to understand that as a pass rusher. That's situational awareness. That's game preparation. No, I can't just rush him to sack him. I rush to contain him, and then if we have a chance to sack him after we've contained him in the pocket, we do that. Make him a passer. Create multiple decisions for him. This guy has been hampered by injuries here early in the season. I think he had a sprained ankle in week one. And then uh, most recently against the 49ers, uh, suffered a knee sprain. Now, Wilson, behind this offensive line, which on paper should have all sorts of problems with the Jets' defensive line. you got a banged-up quarterback. Do the Seahawks do what they do? Or even with Russell maybe not 100%, even though the Jets are treating him like he's 100% because they know what kind of competitor he is, do they move the pocket at all? Well, I think they experiment with the quick passing game. I think teams have had success with that. Teams have also had success with crossing routes. Kansas City had really good success against the Jets' defense with crossing routes, tight ends and receivers on those shallow five to six yard crossing routes that actually turned into 15 to 20 yard gains because the defender is now behind or they did not pass it off in time. So I think um, to help them with the running game, you're going to see short passing game. You're going to see ball out of his hand quickly. You can move him and get him on the edge. Uh, but I just think that the, the crossing routes and the quick outs and things like that with their receivers is probably the way to go in the passing game and then add the down-the-field shot off the play action. So Jets fans have been asking me this. In your eyes, what's been the problem with the crossing routes? We talked about Kelsey last week. Bart Scott said, hey, this is uh, simple uh, communication. The guy's just got to communicate better as far as those uh, a lot of the little rubs you're getting there on the inside and creating space for the tight ends and the receivers? I think it's communication, number one, and then number two, and probably just as important as communication is anticipation. Yeah. You know, really going back and looking at the first three games and seeing how teams are attacking you and anticipate those type of routes and force the opponent to run something different. Uh, So you're jumping those crossers. You're jumping all those different ways that they're trying to create those rub actions 
with picks and things like that because of the man coverage. You, you need to anticipate that, force them to use another part of their game plan, and then once they choose to do that or prove that they can do that, then you make the adjustment. But right now, there's been no reason not to continue to do crossing routes. They're, they're there, and they've been successful. So I think Seattle will do the same thing. Yeah, and, and then lastly, uh, as far as the defense matchup here with the Seahawks, as you mentioned, Russell likes to get the ball down the field. Doesn't have the prototypical number one receiver, but Doug Baldwin already has 20 catches this year. Jimmy Graham starting up here on the radar, a guy who really didn't fit with them and and didn't have any chemistry, frankly, with Wilson last year. And you guys got a guy like Curse and also Lockett, but Wilson likes to throw the ball down the field. Kansas City was an offense where it's in there for them to take shots, but Alex Smith's more of a guy who's going to be more conservative with the football, make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. This is a different team, though, when you're facing Seattle, right? Because they will take their vertical shots. Well, and the reason that they do is because they trust their defense, and their defense is being able to back them up when they may not be as efficient offensively because of their vertical shots. Also, their vertical shots have also come off of their run actions and where the running game has been successful in the past. So uh, that's why stopping the run early and making them more one-dimensional is really important. But there's no doubt because Seattle's going to look at those first two games and see all those big plays that were happening in Buffalo and Cincinnati. The Jets did do a good job of eliminating the big play against Kansas City, where in the first two games they did not. So Seattle will try the big shot and the big play because they, they're going to make sure that the Jets prove that they can still stop that. Revis said it was a must-win in the locker room this week. This is the fourth game of the season. You've been on the field. You've been in the locker room before. Uh, how would you characterize this game in terms of it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, the importance of it? Well, um, I, think, I think Revis talking about it being a must-win is more about the sense of urgency that the team needs to have and to erase the memory of Kansas City more than it is saying, hey, if we lose this, it's over. I don't think that's the case. I just think that the team needs to have a sense of urgency. The young guys need to understand there's a difference between being 2-2 two and two and 1-3. and three. Those two records, even though they're one game apart, feel light years apart uh, when you're on an NFL team. When you've went 1-3 and three in the first quarter of your season, it does not it is a terrible feeling. Whereas two and two, you've made some progress, but you're not where you want to be, but you feel good about moving into the second You're not quarter. that far away. You're not that far away. One and three just feels really you have bad. A, you have some ground to make up. It, it feels really bad. And, and, and I've been on teams that have been one and three, and, and we've been able to fight through that. But it takes a lot of energy, and it exhausts your team to get back, back on the winning side. And finally here, you see this playing out where if the Jets – don't turn the football over. This is a low-scoring game in the fourth quarter where they will have an opportunity to win it. Yeah, I think that I think that the Jets' offense, every possession needs to end with a kick yeah. of some sort. Uh, if it does, that plays into their favor. Uh, if they're punting, then you're playing field position. Uh, if you're kicking, you're either getting three points or you're tacking on an extra point. And so I, I see it as a 15-12, 17-13 
18, 15, I see that possibly it could be a lot of field goals. But that's okay. If you're moving the ball and keeping your defense off the field and still getting those three points, that is a positive in this game, no doubt about it. Patience. That's, yes. a, that's a big thing for Fitz. Yep. What, what would you say to Fitz? Well, I think that uh, the natural tendency coming off a game where you've thrown six interceptions, I've thrown five before in, in the pros, and it's not a good feeling at all. The natural tendency is to try to do uh, everything you can to erase that memory. But you actually need to pull back a little bit and allow the game to come to you, um, knowing that your shots are going to be there, your opportunities to make a big play is going to be there. Don't go looking for the big play. Let the big play happen. Think about moving the chains. Think about being consistent. And really think about your own mental mindset. That's so important that you are processing your reads, you're processing information, and you feel good about where you are mentally. Don't try to make up for that. That's gone. It's over with. And move on. Well, Chad Pennington, good to see you up in New Jersey. We'll see you over at MetLife Day. Absolutely, EA. Thank you.